Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. The first text that we got this morning from a gentleman called Paddy and we're looking into this for you, Paddy. Paddy says, Patricia, is there any chance that you could find out for me when the flu ban finishes? This is the ban on visitors finishes in the Mercy Hospital. I haven't seen my wife in two weeks. Oh, bless your heart, Paddy. We're going to get on to the Mercy Hospital uh, to see what's going on there. I know... There has been a ban on visitors in a number of hospitals and I think Mercy Hospital was one of the first to introduce uh, the ban but it does seem a bit heartbreaking that you haven't been able to see your wife in two weeks. So hang in there Paddy and uh, hopefully we'll have an answer for you before the before the close of the programme uh, today. Now on the programme today uh, we're going to be discussing a story that uh, Kevin O'Neill is writing about in the front page of the Examiner today and the Gardaí are involved in investigating this. It is the theft of a piece of Cork heritage from Patrick Street, the main street in Cork, a limestone structure of a dog drinking trough, which I think, did I read somewhere, it's been there for about 60 years, but it's limestone. It's a stone sculpture that I imagine A, wouldn't be very light uh, and B, would take quite amount of work to get it out of the pavement and, you know, almost dig it up. So the Gardaí are investigating it. I'm, I'm assuming they'll start looking at things like CCTV and, and if anybody saw or has any knowledge of where this piece of sculpture has gone, they certainly would love to hear from you at uh, the uh, any of the, the Gardaí in the, in the city. But it's just shocking to think a piece of our heritage like that has been stolen. And, you know, you'd wonder, has it been stolen to order? Who would want to steal uh, such a piece? So we're going to speak with a local councillor who's also a historian uh, who, you know, about what do we need to do in the city and indeed the county to protect our heritage? I mean, because these belong to future generations as well. We want to try and leave as much of the heritage of the city and county behind us as we possibly can. So we'll look at that story later on. We're also going to hear how a third of all the products that we buy on special offer when we're whizzing around the supermarket doing our, our shopping, a third of the products are bad for, bad for us. They're just not the healthy options. And Friday for the main is probably the busiest shopping day when people, a lot of us, I, I certainly on a Friday do a big shop 
it's kind of the day for the big shop uh, and I'm trying to when I was doing some research on this last night I was trying to think am I do I go for the bargains and of course I go for the bargains you're going around the supermarket and you'll see I mean the buy one get one free is, is one of my big ones it's one of my big and, and you kind of buy it and then and I have to put my hand up and say I've bought some of those buy one get one free and then if you if you don't stop and think do you actually need will I actually use this I do end up then dumping some of the items that I've bought because we know we all all throw out way too much of the food items that we buy and certainly at least once if not twice a year I'll do a clean out of the food cupboard you know the stuff that's at the back and you're thinking oh why did I buy that and probably some of the times I did buy it because it was on special offer so how do we avoid the special offer we're trying to get some tips on how to shop healthily and how to make sure that everything we're putting into the trolley now we all need to have some treats we're not saying I have absolutely no treats at all but it's to cut down on the amount of rubbish food that we put into the trolley and that we bring home with us because if the items are not in the house then the temptation is not there I mean it certainly is one of the things if you're watching Operation Transformation that they say you know you have a meal plan and you stick to the meal plan and just don't buy in the rubbish if you don't have the packets of chocolate biscuits or cakes or buns or whatever it is okay to have a treat everything in moderation but don't buy too much of the stuff and of course if it's on bargain if you're seeing the bargain see it at half price buy one get one free you're going to be buying extra but it's shocking to think that a third of all the products we buy are actually not healthy options. So we'll talk about that on the programme today. We're also going to hear about an interesting talk that's going to be given tomorrow night in West Cork on furniture from the past. This is furniture that our ancestors built, furniture that was built to last. And I suppose what's what's interesting in talking to a historian about the type of furniture that our ancestors used is what can we learn from our ancestors? I mean, have we very much come become the generation that as soon as something breaks, you just throw it out and you replace it? I mean, how many of us think of actually trying to get something repaired? But are we buying stuff that was never meant to be repaired? I mean, you just instantly, you throw it out and you buy a new one. Whereas our ancestors didn't have the money to do that. So if the leg broke on the kitchen table or chair, it was fixed. Not like today, it's just dumped. And, you know, we get fed up of items and then we replace them. Whereas, again, our ancestors bought bought a piece of furniture that would have lasted for all of their lifetime and then would have been passed on to another member of the family and you you would have pieces of furniture that could have been in in families for two, three and four uh, generations. So we'll talk about that uh, today. Uh, Local objections to a wind farm and planning has been granted to a wind farm in the Schlievlucra area. When I was reading up about this yesterday, what one of the what really caught me on this one was Kerry County Council refused the planning. Felt no, this isn't in keeping with the area. And then obviously the company behind the wind farm decided, well, we'll go to Onboard Planola, which they're entitled uh, to do. And then Onboard Planola granted the planning. And I can never understand that if if the council who are on the ground and surely know what's good for an area, I never understand why Onboard Planola don't listen to the council. But anyway, they haven't in this case. So locals are continuing to object. We spoke yesterday about how people in the West Cork area, the town of Skibbereen, are objecting to a plastic factory. They've gone for judicial review and they've been granted it. So we're trying to find out will the people in Schlieve-Lucre go down a similar route to what they're doing in Skibbereen against the uh, plastic factory. And then we'll talk about Toastmasters on the programme today. And 
particularly in mind with the you know, start of a new year, always a good time if you're thinking of taking on uh, a hobby. And if you've been thinking of, of doing something, maybe Toastmasters, there's some fantastic Toastmaster groups all over uh, the city and uh, county. And if you need a little bit of help with public speaking or it's something you'd like to gain confidence in, I mentioned when I was teeing up the programme with Simon earlier on, if you are the father of a bride who's getting married this year and my heart always goes out to the fathers of the bride. Now, sometimes you get very confident men who will stand up and can just knock out a speech and it's absolutely fantastic. But for men who are a little bit on the shy side, they will spend the whole of the year absolutely dreading. They'll walk their be- beautiful daughter down the aisle and then they've got to wait for the meal to come. Some of the weddings do the, do the speeches before the meal and a lot of that is down to nerves. Just get it out of the way so that the people who have to make a speech can enjoy the meal but for others they wait until the end of the meal and I often look up at the top table just to keep throw a check on the father of the bride to see how he's doing you can see beads of sweat coming out through some of the poor old dads and it can be a really really intimidating thing and I have heard of fathers of the bride who went along to the local Toastmasters and they joined in January and they got all the tips that they needed and then they stood up and with great a plume and confidence they delivered their father of the bride uh, speech so if you fall into that category, our interview later on in the programme might just be for you. And we'll go to the movies with uh, Mark Malone on a week when the Oscar nominations have been announced. That and more between now and one o'clock today. As always, your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning. We spoke about that dog, Rebel, that has been found in West Cork in an atrocious condition over Christmas. But we were wrapping up what is a good news story in the end in that the Rebel was lovingly looked after by the veterinary practice in uh, Skibber and one of the veterinary team has is so touched by Rebel that Rebel's Forever Home now has become somebody who works at the vet practice which is a lovely, lovely ending to what was a horrible, horrible story in horrific conditions. And when we spoke yesterday it was a neck injury on this, on this beautiful dog. Uh, so bad that they were a warning had to go up on Facebook for people accessing it in order to look at the photographs the photographs but that distressing it was so distressing I didn't even look at them I got a description of them and said that's enough I can't even uh, look at them and then I got an email in and we don't normally call out missing dogs but this particular email pulled at my heartstrings particularly when I was thinking about poor rebel and the condition that dog was found in and it's awful that people can be cruel to animals when on the other side of the coin we have people who absolutely love and adore their dogs and cats and, and other animals. It's just shameful that there's a small proportion of people that can be cruel to animals. So this email uh, is about a dog by the name of Sassy. It says, good morning. Is it possible, please, for you to announce appeal for my darling nine and a half year old border collie Sassy, who is missing from Ballygarvan, missing now for over three weeks. It really is her last chance to be found, possibly amongst people who don't use Facebook. Maybe somebody has taken her in or has seen her in the area listening to your programme today. Sassy's details are on Facebook, but Munster lost and found advised us to get her details out to as many people as possible because I'm aware not everybody does use Facebook and that's where I'm hoping you can help on your programme. Time is slipping by and we are very concerned for her welfare as she's an old dog at nine and a half and especially vulnerable in the recent cold spell. Sassy's details are with all the animal welfare groups, the dog's home, the county pound, the vets, the Gardaí, the postman, shops and anywhere else we've been able to put posters while driving the highways and byways of West Cork. But your programme really are our last possible chance 
chance for Sassy to be found in the county and return home where she's dearly missed by her family and her many, many friends. Sassy has never been away from home before so she wouldn't be exactly very street wise. She's a neat border collie She's chipped and spayed, well-mannered and friendly. And when last seen, she was wearing a brown collar. She has white spotty socks, a narrow stripe on her forehead, a white chest and a white tip on her tail. And they all stand out from her otherwise black coat. Your help would be much uh, appreciated. And we have all of the details of... Sassy's owners, uh, Lucianne and George, we have um, two different telephone numbers. So I know people will say it's a long shot, particularly when they've gone to great, great lengths in putting it up on so many different social media sites and different Facebook pages. And they've contacted everybody uh, locally. But look, you never know. Somebody may have taken the dog in. Maybe somebody listening to the programme took uh, Sassy in because Sassy was looking a bit lost and uh, forlorn. But a very well looked after dog. And I have to say, um, they've sent on the pictures. Beautiful, fine, fine looking dog. Doesn't look nine and a half, uh, that's for sure. So if anybody anybody knows anything on the whereabouts of Sassy, a neat border collie, black and white in in colour, can you make contact with us, uh, please? And we can pass on the details to Lucianne who contacted uh, us. And it is absolutely heartbreaking to lose a much-loved pet uh, like that. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. Flora Gelga. RC103. Rugged Jacob Stockdale. Erin True Law Debron. Nadig Nokashe. In Ardvaca. Hussig Shake Immert Rugger. Agase Anna O. Drastel Shea Er Ard Skull Devalish. Agas Brunnock Gradam Immerhorn Ablina Er. Nina Guna. Dimashi Mark Klihani er Erin Nahir in Fuifeha. Agus Husig Shaig Immert Lakuga Ulla Agus Afos Navelina Degbeach. Tuguk on Lassanum Stocky Jockey er Tisk Avek Hohard Agus Kolordershin. Bernik A er Fanil Nahirin. De Hrossar Govil Sashakti. Agus Anam Nik A. Mar Lake Nahimraha in Aigon Argentine. Tashakt ud aimshaha e Jacob Stockdale, e gravene she nashun gavilas uktig, gashka e nakvil deinteg ein imra or ella, isterna grava. Is imhor untuk e agus inspirad de guine oga e. Le blur guelga is mishe malinigul o guelskol hamasta vishmala. Zikaid asa three kirkig. According to research commissioned by Safe Food, more than a third of products on special offer in Irish supermarkets are high in fat, sugar or salt. Joining me to discuss the study, Dr Aileen McGloin, who is Chief Specialist in Nutrition at uh, Safe Food. Uh, good morning to you, Aileen. Good morning. And, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, we all love a bargain, but does your research show that many of these supermarket bargains may not be that healthy for us? That's right. As you pointed out there, we did a a survey of almost 70,000 foods and found that about a third of them were for uh, less healthy foods, things like um, cakes, biscuits, sweets, crisps, 
fizzy drinks and so on. So, you know, as you say, everybody loves a bargain. So especially at this time of the year when January, the household budget is particularly difficult to manage. So these are really important for people. But if you're buying foods that you simply don't need, um, you have to relook at the value of that. Yeah, because with families on tight budgets, I can understand the offers might seem rather appealing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I suppose as part of this, we have a campaign called uh, Transform Your Trolley. It's part of our sponsorship of Operation Transformation. So I suppose what we're doing is appealing to um, the public to rethink their shopping. Uh, The central idea there is that in that half hour or hour that you spend in the supermarket every week, you're nearly making all the food decisions for the week. Um, So it's really, really important. If you make good decisions there in the supermarket, you've more or less made all the good decisions for the week because whatever you have in the house is what you're going to eat. So one of the big points here is that planning is really important. So before you go to the supermarket, make sure you have a look around the presses and the fridge and so on. What do you have? What do you need? Um, Obviously, you know, everybody's familiar with the food pyramid. You need plenty of whole grains. You need fruit and veg. You need meat, fish and dairy and so on, or alternatives if you're vegetarian. But actually, we, we really don't need foods that are high fat in fat, salt and sugar. Now, everybody loves a treat every now and again, but the fact is that we're not having them every now and again. In fact, 20% of our food shop is made up of treats now. 20%? Um, 20%, yeah. Is, is that households with children? That's household with children. So this came from another piece of research from Kantar data. Now that's data that literally looks at people's shopping receipts. And when they looked at that, um, 20% of the total food shop for households with kids was made up of treat foods. So obviously, you know, we have to run the gauntlet of all these tempting offers when we go to the supermarket and we're not very good at resisting them. Uh, so you, you plan your meals. I mean, it, it's the one thing anybody following Operation Transformation uh, and previous years and again this year, it, it, a lot of it is, as you say, it's down to the planning. So you make a shopping list and then stick to the shopping list regardless of what bargains pop up yeah. in front of you? And I mean, even better, if there are bargains for the healthier foods that are on your list, I mean, that's absolutely Great. brilliant, fire ahead. Um, but as, as the data would show, most, many of them are, are not for those foods that would be on your list. So, I mean, planning is one part of it. And then, you know, there are other ways you can prepare yourself. So make sure you're not hungry. If you are, have a very small snack, something like a piece of fruit or popcorn or something that'll keep you going. Um, you know, everybody's tired at this time of the year, but if you can go when you're not tired, not stressed, not hungry, you're going to have a much better chance of making good decisions. If you have kids, um, you know, sometimes pester power is an issue. If you know it's going to be an issue, if you can get away out of the house without them, try to do that as well. I know it's not always possible. And then when you're in the supermarket, of course, you've got to become more aware of the offers for less healthy food. Uh, you know, next time you're in, just just really look and see, God, you know, this. you have to really run the gauntlet here of getting around the supermarket without, um, uh, you know, uh, caving to the temptation. Um, another way to protect yourself, I suppose, is to build up your knowledge of food labels. So I know this takes a bit of time. So what I would recommend is that people do this very gradually. So, you know, just take one food product at a time, do a bit of a comparison and um, learn what's higher in sugar, fat, salt and so on. Um, and that's one way of building up. And then before you get to the till, just have one last look at the trolley. Like, what's in this trolley? What's the balance here? Are there loads of fruit and veg, plenty of whole grains? Have you got your meat, fish and dairy, whatever you plan to buy? 
um, and then how many treats are there. And if you see that there are lots of treats and you have, in fact, um, caved to the temptation, you know, just put them back. You still have that opportunity to put mm. them back. Um, and then you're going to save yourself a bit of money as well. When you're saying looking at the labels, that traffic light system that they, that's on some foods. Yes. They, is, do you recommend following that? It's very useful. Um, it's not um, a legal requirement within the EU. Um, it is uh, something that the UK was bringing in. So because our, our markets are, are very similar, so some of the foods that will be sold in the UK are also sold here with the same labels and the two different addresses on them. Um, you would see a lot of the traffic light system labels in the Republic of Ireland, but it is not a, an EU system. It hasn't come in as an EU system. So you won't find that on every food, but it is incredibly useful where you do so this is where you get to just look and very, you know, in seconds you can see if it's red, it's high in f- uh, fat, sugar, sugar or salt or calories. So those are the things that are highlighted on the front of pack. Very useful if you find products like that. Yeah, and you're looking for the green symbol. I mean, it's good to go. Yes, uh, it's good to go. Uh, Tim says on bargains, he said, being being cynical here, uh, nobody gives away anything uh, for free. Look at the expiry date. Sometimes you're buying something and the expiry date, you know, could end up just putting it in the bin. And I did mention that earlier, Aileen, we buy a lot of stuff. Uh, we buy a lot of food items that just simply ends up in the bin. Yes, yeah, so f- I mean, this is it. Food food waste is a big issue and becoming a, a bigger issue all the time. Um, again, yeah, look at the labels, look at the use by dates um, and just make sure that you, you know, you're, you're going to be able to use it in the time that you have. So, yeah, food waste is a huge issue. Again, it goes back to planning. If you know you've got your shopping list going in and if you stick to what's on the shopping list, you won't be buying anything that will end up in the bin if, if, right. you, if, you, if you're planning your meals. And uh, Mary says, Patricia, with regard to shopping healthily, I happened to be in Mitchellstown yesterday and there was an outdoor farmer's market on. I found a vegetable stall. I got three large leeks, five huge parsnips, three pears, a bunch of huge carrots, the ones with the mud still on them, and uh, 10 apples, all of them Irish. I got them all for €9. Euro. Fantastic value and a lovely friendly service no need to buy unhealthy food when you're on a budget you can get bargains out there uh, says uh, Mary and uh, thank you for that Mary and Aileen did you ask um, shoppers would they prefer to see promotions on the healthier items we, we did Patricia actually we had a survey of, of shoppers as well they the vast majority of them said we don't want to see these uh, offers of foods that are high in sugar, fat and salt and they said we want to see more offers on things like vegetables, uh, meat, fish and the things that they really need. Um, So yeah, shoppers don't want this. They don't want to have to resist temptation every time they go into the supermarket. They want to, you know, uh, get good value for money but they, they simply want to eat the healthier foods. Yeah, make it easy for us, uh, yeah. please. And uh, you mentioned it's uh, all tied in with your, your sponsorship of Operation uh, Transformation. Uh, it's, a, it's a good series this year, this year, isn't it? It's proving good. It's great. It's yeah. great. There's, um, they're, the leaders are absolutely fantastic. You know, what they've achieved in terms of their change in lifestyle in, in only a, a couple of weeks is absolutely phenomenal. So just thrilled to see that kind of inspiration going out to everybody in the nation um, and all the community support as well is, is vital for it. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're very happy to be sponsoring again this year. Yeah, and obviously we're touching base um, every week with Pamela Swain from y'all. She's flying the flag for you. And I yeah. swear the, the community support behind Pamela is just incredible. And I really, and I've said this publicly, so I don't mind saying it again, she had the added one that she could give up the cigarettes as well. And that's, you know, people who give up the cigarettes will tell you they always put on weight. So she's trying to lose weight at the same, at the same time. She's got the double whammy. 
she has done remarkably and and you know it, the struggle was very real i think it was the first or the second episode they showed her really really struggling with the you cigarettes. could see the frustration yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so like she she has got to be commended that is not easy what she's achieving on top of um, make it to- making a total and you know she's a busy mom she has a job so many challenges going on anyway don't mind trying to change lifestyle or give up cigarettes it, it, like it's absolutely phenomenal and yeah. the, the community and y'all is, is right behind her which is and, great which yeah, is great and all, all of the leaders they've really picked a great but I mean they do every year every, I say it every year they're always uh, they're always a great bunch of uh, leaders they yeah. never get it wrong with any of the leaders which is great listen uh, Aileen always a pleasure to talk to you thank you for that thank and thanks you. for joining us on, on the programme good morning to you. That is uh, Dr. Aileen McGloin, uh, who is the Chief Specialist in Nutrition at Safe Food. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, as part of our interview yesterday highlighting the campaign against the plastics factory in Skibbereen, a fundraiser to help with the costs of the judicial review was mentioned. Well, the event will be held tomorrow night and it's a talk on Irish country furniture, recycling our past, which also happens to be the title of a book by historian Claudia Kinmonth, who is giving the talk at the West Cork Hotel tomorrow night. And it's nice to say Claudia joins me. Good morning to you, Claudia. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, your book looks at furniture from the 1700s right up to 1950 and I believe a lot of the research was carried out in in West Cork. Where does your passion for old furniture stem from? Well um, I suppose yes a lot of my research was done locally. Um, When I was um, looking for a subject for an MA at the Royal College of Arts in London I I wanted to research something that's never been done before. It seemed to me that I needed to do original research and I knew that having been brought up spending a lot of time here in West Cork, that um, nobody had written about the furniture here and nobody had written about Irish country furniture at all. Actually, there was just no book. So I thought this seemed like a good idea to write about it for an, an MA thesis, to research it for an MA thesis. That's where it began. And you went off and, and found, did you find a lot of the furniture still in situ in West Cork? Well, first of all, I went to the National Museum and other museums around Ireland. I thought that should be the obvious place to find it. Um, And I was disappointed that furniture individually without the context of, say, the farm kitchen seemed disappointing compared to what I'd seen in the farmhouses growing up as a child. So then I started to knock on doors, actually, (laughs) and it began a crusade. We travelled all over Ireland. myself and my husband and my boyfriend and we 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 traveled through every county of ireland it was fantastic knocking on doors that looked optimistic in terms of um you know lack of modernization so we went to um old-fashioned farmhouses um and we visited a lot of elderly people actually and and found most amazing things you know furniture that had been in those houses for um decades and hundreds of years and people had great stories about how things had been made and they knew a lot more about the furniture than we could discover from the museum collections actually so that's where it began and then of course and, and of course that furniture that furniture was built to last absolutely yes completely it was built to last um there's so many examples of that so the furniture makers in the 18th and 19th centuries clearly you know they'd they'd, they'd make furniture perhaps when somebody got married that might be an occasion and they make a dresser for um, a house with a stone or an earth floor 
and the bottom of the dresser would have a foot which was um, designed to be replaced if it ever got a bit damp. So washing the floor again and again would make the bottom of the dresser damp over yeah. decades. And they'd and they recognised that and they'd say, well, maybe in 60 years' time you'll want to replace the foot on the dresser. So that was the sort of thing. That was that um, forward thinking, which is just astonishing, really, now looking at it. And also um, um, items of furniture with a dual purpose. Many, many dual purpose pieces. I suppose... You know, poverty is the mother of invention. We didn't have very much timber. Um, and so they'd make things which were kind of lean in terms of materials. They'd they'd make um, um, something called a settle bed, which was a bench which usually went alongside the fire. Um, and during the day, it was a long bench for several people to sit on, or maybe you could use it as an extra worktop in your kitchen. But then at night, it would fold out and fold forwards onto the floor it would contain its own be- um, mattress and its own equivalent of a duvet, and it would um, it would be a great place for several people to sleep, commonly, maybe. I mean, maybe several children, top to tail, and it would also act as a playpen during the day for a, <laughs> a, a mother who had toddlers. Because so the- we're, we're talking as well about a generation where there was huge families and, yes. you know, you could have, particularly in Ireland, you could have 10, 12, 15 in, yes. in a family all being raised in a very small space. So they had Absolutely. to. They yes. couldn't have beds for everybody. Yeah, so they had lots of ingenious beds, actually, all sorts of clever ways of accommodating beds and then folding them up out of the way during the day. So they might not have spare bedrooms like we do now, but they would have a parlour which would double as a bedroom at night. So there was a wonderful thing called a press bed that looked absolutely innocently like a cupboard, a very smart-looking cupboard. And then you'd open the two tall doors and down would fold a great big bed with folding legs and, um, you know, there, yeah. there it was. And, and there was something called a chiffonier, which was um, like a sideboard, you know, where you'd put your plates and it would look lovely in the parlour. And that would, the doors would open and the bed would fold out in three sections. So that didn't contain plates at all in the bottom. It was, again, yes, the bed. bed, but yeah. very, very fashionable during the day if you were entertaining in there. So there was these, all these clever disguised and hidden beds. Um, and the press bed actually is something which, um, when the Irish emigrated to places like Australia and America, um, they rebuilt those, uh, those ingenious designs when they arrived in somewhere like um, Canada or New York. And in New York now today, if you see a bed that folds down from the wall, it's still called a Murphy bed. Is it? Yeah, I, I thought it was the Irish. The Irish brought yeah. that over. Fantastic. Yeah, we took it over and we rebuilt it there. And the Murphy bed is something which is a legacy of that settlement um, in the 19th century. What's and terrific. the settle bed is the same, actually. When you find a settle bed in somewhere like um, Montreal, it means that the Irish have been there. It's a sort of signifier of they brought Irish it. They brought the design with them. Fo- yeah, fold, yeah. Folding, falling tables. Falling tables are wonderful. I mean, again, um, they're born out of lack of timber, but also um, good use of space. So the kitchen was used for all sorts of things. You might have a dance in it. You might have a big gathering. You might be flailing your corn or something like that at the end of the harvest. So you wanted to get rid of your table. So fold it up flat against the wall. And then when you needed it, it would hinge down and it would have one single leg which propped it up. So that was called, it had lots of different names, but it was all over Ireland. Every county of Ireland had these falling tables or let down tables. Um, and they're, you know, they're just a brilliant way of having an extra table or having a table at all. Yeah, um, in, in, a, in a small space. space. And yeah. then you mentioned the, the dresser and the legs on the dresser. Chairs whose legs could be replaced wasn't yeah. uncommon. <laughs> yeah, that was a lovely idea as well. 
again, I suppose they didn't have as, as much timber to make a chair with lots of stretches joining the legs. So very often they'd, they'd make chairs with um, a thick slab seat and then the legs were individually wedged into the seat. And they were wedged into the seat in a way um, that made it possible to replace a leg completely if it got worn down or broken. So they could either drill another hole in the seat and put in another leg and wedge it, or they could just simply replace the one that was worn. And when I was looking at chairs all over Ireland, I kept finding evidence of one leg perhaps having been slightly Replaced. different than the others. Definitely that was happening. It was yeah. brilliant, really. Yeah, and, and whereas, you know, we, we, we throw things away today, which is, which is as you mm. say, because of poverty, and they didn't, you know, they didn't have the resources to throw. They to, didn't, they, no. They, and, they, and they used everything. I mean, flower bags, for oh, example. Yes. Flower bags are so lovely. They're so interesting. And um, if ever I give a talk in Ireland, the elderly people in the audience can remember flower bags being kept and looked after. And, you know, um, actually, I was lecturing in Tipperary last summer and somebody came to me and said, oh, I've still got flower bags. I'll I'll give you one. So I've got one from her. But when you bought your flower, um, afterwards, you keep the bag and they were closely woven and quite soft. They were a very, very close weave. Um, And you'd make them into pillowcases, sheets, you might even line the underside of the thatch with flower bags if you had an open thatch roof and you wanted to stop the, the dust and the drips coming down. And then you could paint the flower bags white. So they were used for all sorts of things and even used for um, clothes and underwear and things like that. But There's nothing lovely, nothing, was thr- about, um, nothing was thrown away? No, everything was kept. Nothing was thrown away and things were reused wonderfully. I mean, the wheels of a cart... For example, the wooden wheels of a cart with all its spokes. The spokes, once the wheel wore out, were traditionally reused to make the rungs on a ladder. And ingenious. Found, uh, yeah, very ingenious. They're just the right shape because they're tapered at each end, which is perfect if you're building a ladder. Um, and the outside fellows, the curved bits on the outside of the wheel, which were all sections, I, I found um, a cradle that had its rockers made of wheel fellows. You know, so there was evidence, again, of very careful, very clever recycling without wasting any material in the act. And a cow horn was never discarded. <laughs> yes. Um, well, a couple of years ago, I, I came across the um, the idea that cow horns were reused for all sorts of other things, but nobody had researched the horners in Ireland. They were a separate craft. So when the cow was slaughtered, at the point of slaughter, the horners would um, would, would get the horns, um, there were seven stages between a cow horn and a spoon, lots of soaking and cleaning and um, boiling up the horn and flattening it and then cutting it out carefully. Um, and I have one in my hand, actually. There's, um, I've got a few of them here. And they're just, um, they're lovely. They're very light. You hold them up to the light and you can see they're translucent. Um, so they're very, very smooth on the lips. They retain their shape after they've been molded. And they would have been very easy to wash up. And that was very important for the for the farmer's wife, um, not to be extravagant with water. So a spoon that was made of horn rather than wood was much easier to wash. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, water, water, keeping an eye on not, not wasting yeah. water. Yeah. We can we can learn so much from our past, uh, Claudia. And, and, yeah. and, and the one thing is to start reusing and, and fixing items and move away from this disposable world in which we live. Yes, I agree. I, th- I think we can learn from the past. We wouldn't want to go back to the hard, poor old days. No. But I think there are lessons that can be picked up, particularly against built-in obsolescence. I mean, the, the, the things that people bought, they would have been thinking, I want to buy something that's going to last for generations. They, they, would, they would reject something that they thought wouldn't last for very long. Um, and so 
I mean, for example, the, the, the crockery, the earthenware, they have these lovely things they call crocks, um, which I'll bring one along to the talk tomorrow. But that would do the equivalent job of our washing up bowl now, but it would, it would do the job for everything. So you'd be kneading your bread in it, you'd be storing your eggs in it. Um, when, you, when you were making butter, you'd settle your cream in these crocks. Um, and sc- scoop off the cream before you made the butter. So they were multi-purpose, and I suppose if somebody was married, they'd, they'd be given a crock, and they'd keep it all their lifetime. Um, and they're, they're beautiful, they're lovely things, and some of them, the, the glaze around the top edges of these earthenware crocks are so worn from people's wrists and hands working away with whatever they're doing in them that the, that the glaze is worn right off. Which is... And it's just wonderful to pass that on through to generations. Yeah. And, 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 and people can bring objects or photographs of objects tomorrow I night. So. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. It would nice. be nice if people did. I'm, um, I think people have sometimes got things tucked away which... Um, you know, they might be rare and special and, and they're often illuminating and, and maybe I could tell people about things that they don't know. Um, so we can have a discussion afterwards. I'm going to bring a number of things. I'll probably bring um, a straw-seated chair and crocs and a noggin and a spoon and that sort of thing so that we can all discuss these things. Okay. Um, the crocs particularly people put in the garden because they're, you know, they don't seem to have a function anymore, but they, they'd need to be looked after properly and not be allowed to... Um, get damaged by frost and water. So Yeah, it'd be nice to be able to pass them on to future generations. Yeah, so yeah. your talk is tomorrow night. Where's Cork Hotel uh, at half past six? That's right, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Okay, and it's uh, ten, uh, 10 euro on the door and uh, the proceeds is going to the Save Our Skibbereen against all, the Plastic yes, Factor. All 100% of the proceeds going to Save Our Skibbereen and I, and I hope there'll be a good turnout and we'll have a fun evening. It'll be great. Okay, well, well enjoy it as well, Claudia. And thank, thank you, you so much uh, for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much, Patricia. Good, good morning to you. Okay. Bye bye. Historian and author Claudia Kinmonth. I think that is going to be a fascinating discussion uh, tomorrow. And as you say, as she said, if you want to bring along, if you have any objects maybe that you're unsure of or that you'd like to share and show, you know, objects that have passed down through the generations, maybe from your 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 mother, your grandmother, your grandparents, or whatever, or maybe photographs of dressers that you have in the house that you know got, was from your grandparents' time and then went on to your parents, and, and now it's in at uh, your house if you want to bring photographs uh, along, uh, feel free. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your texts coming into the programme, we were talking about healthy foods and chatting with uh, Safe Food about their survey showing that a third of all the items that are on special offer inside in a, one of the larger supermarkets are really either they're full of sugar, they've too much fat in them and they really, they're, ge- they're generally speaking, the bargains, the best of the bargains are just not good for you and we need to be savvy shoppers and we need to think about what we need before we head uh, to the supermarket and the good old fashioned list get back to doing that Jared says Patricia on shopping at the end of the day says Jared it's all about willpower in the large supermarkets near me the fruit and veg sections are at the front of the store and you will find many two for one offers says Jared so you have to walk past them to get to the rubbish aisles personal responsibility people so says uh, Jared yeah but if you've got if you are pester power if you've got children with you I mean that's it was a separate piece of study that Kleena also mentioned where they showed that families that have children have 20% of what's inside in their shopping baskets are made up of treats and, and basically rubbish food and that's where I suppose parents 
probably again personal responsibility you have to decide that your children while they can enjoy a treat they don't need that many treats and that we all need to take a look at our cupboards to see what's in the cupboards uh, you certainly need to do that before you go out shopping so that you're not buying stuff that you already have and then make the decision that if you're going to have treats how many treats are you going to have and don't buy too many of the treats and certainly 20% of your shopping trolley shouldn't be filled with treats. Anthony says it's no coincidence that cancer and diabetes has become so common since the multinational supermarkets came into our lives. In the past shopping was done at corner shops with a made out list and maybe there was one treat put in says Anthony but that was it and now we've gone all completely down the convenience uh, route. I think you've got a point there Anthony and you know when somebody was talking, I read out a text earlier from one of our listeners who was talking about going who was at a farmer's market yesterday and buying great uh, fruit and veg and mentioned the carrots with the the mud and the muck uh, still on them. We touched on that this week again because Sheehan's the little greengrocers in Mallow tomorrow is their final day. They're closing up uh, shop and you'd be everything you would be buying in a little fruit and veg shop like that is everything that uh, Dr. Cleaner was talking about from Safe Food, all of the healthy food uh, choices. Okay, Margaret uh, Gagan ICA sent in a text. I'm only sure would you please give a mention to our charity tea dance. It's happening this Sunday in Gagan Hall. Proceeds are going to Cancer Connect. The tea dance will be on from three to six in the afternoon. Music by Dermot Lyons. And that's Margaret and the gang at Gagan ICA. Hope you have a lovely, lovely afternoon. And Paddy was our first text in this morning who asked if we could find out about visiting hours at the Mercy Hospital because there's been a ban on visitors due to the flu, an outbreak of flu. And Paul Paddy contacted us because he said, I haven't seen my wife in two weeks. And obviously he misses her and he wants to get to see her. So John Paul got on to the Mercy Hospital and I am told that the Mercy Hospital visiting hours are now two to four in the afternoon and half six to half eight. So obviously the visiting ban has been lifted unless... Paddy's wife, and this is what we don't know, is in a high dependency ward or if his wife has an immune system that's low and while they're trying to get her better, they've put a ban on visitors. I don't know any of that uh, detail. And if that's the case, I could curtail uh, visitors. But the advice that we have for Paddy is for Paddy to ring the Mercy Hospital, ask to be put through to the ward have a chat with the nurse on duty there at the ward and they will do everything that they can to try to uh, facilitate Paddy coming to visit his uh, wife. In two weeks is a long time. It's a long time not to see his beloved wife. So good luck with that, Paddy. Give them, give the Mercy Hospital a call. Ask to be put through, through to the ward and have a chat and hopefully you'll be able to get to see her this weekend. Now, John contacted us at 1850 and says, I think it is awful that somebody would film a car accident where somebody had been fatally killed. I think the law should be thrown at the person who made the recording and he or she should explain why they decided to do this. It was a serious accident uh, yesterday. So this person should have known better and should also have known that somebody was injured and possibly could have been dead. And we should have some type of laws to prevent this happening. And of course, what, what John is talking about is a car accident that happened, would you believe, about this time yesterday, close to half past 11 yesterday. It was on the the M50 northbound near Finglas. And a lady from Tala, 30-year-old woman by the name of Jackie Griffin, 
was pronounced dead at the scene of the accident and was investigation is underway to try to work out exactly what happened. But following this horrific accident where this you know young lady lost her life, Gardaí were forced to put out an appeal to people to stop circulating images from the crash and to do it out of respect for the victim's uh, family. There was seemingly four vehicles involved. There was an impact between two cars and that's seemingly what caused the serious damage and and the loss of uh, life. And then out of those two cars, one car ended up in in the barrier. I think that was the vehicle that the woman was driving. That's how she she was killed. But then there was a truck and another car obviously got involved because this collision was all happening in front of them. Now, it was only the, that this one woman was killed. The driver of the other car has ended up in the hospital, but it's believed he doesn't have. Thankfully, he hasn't suffered uh, life-threatening uh, injuries and um, the truck just suffered uh, damage that but was, wasn't involved in the initial collision, as was another car. So I'm assuming they would... They would walked away uh, they were okay but somebody passing the accident decided to video videotape it this is where on our phones you, the phone straight away is with us and it's a camera and so so a it's a video camera as well but decided to film this the aftermath of this horrific accident and then put it up on some social media instagram Facebook, I don't know, I don't know where it went went up, but very quickly people started to share it. And this would have been probably before the family, the entire family would even have been contacted to say that this woman had tragically lost her life because she was pronounced dead at the scene of the accident. And I it actually disturbed me yesterday when I saw the appeal go out from Gardashia Corner just saying to people, Will you please stop? sharing these images because the more people were sharing it somebody else was sharing it and you know that's what happens that's how something very quickly goes viral you know and there's times when we celebrate when good news stories go viral and we think oh the power of the internet is great and it's great to get a message out uh, to people but for something like this you know people just need to cop on and think about if that was a member of their family had been involved in that accident how would they feel that somebody deciding to drive by will take out the video on the cam on their phone and record it and then put it up on the internet and it's there forevermore for everybody uh, to see people just need to stop and think about what they are videoing but then more importantly because somebody could video something and think of oh, this might be could be used in evidence you know the guardy might want it I, you know I can accept there can be some pluses to doing it but please be very very mindful before you decide to share something like that because there's a family this this young lady Jackie Griffin and I saw some some of her family members and some of her friends on Facebook yesterday who were asking people to stop sharing the images and just talking about what a gem of a person this young woman uh, was and there's there's a grieving family and her friends and and, and may she rest in, in peace but just for everybody else like, 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 like lessons be learned from this would people stop sharing and stop videotaping horrific accidents like that and then thinking it's okay to put it up on line to see how many likes you're going to get or how many shares uh, you're going to you're going to get and I wonder how many people would feel as strongly as John that the person who was responsible for the initial recording of the accident 
John feels that he should be before he or she should be before the courts and if we need to have legislation put in place to prevent it happening again that's what John feels could happen and John would you only you're saying you'd, you'd throw the book at that person would you just throw the book at the person who recorded it or how would you feel about the others who shared it because that seemingly was the problem yesterday. It was bad enough that this person decided to put it up on their social media account, but it was all the shares and the circulating of the image. That's why the Gardaí had to come out of it. It was just simply one person shared it. The Gardaí could have got on and said, pull that and get rid of it. But it was the fact that so many other people so quickly shared this horrific accident and very quickly we found out that somebody had died in that accident it wasn't you know because somebody would come and say oh well I I didn't know that somebody had died I thought it was just an accident I was just filming it I didn't think anybody had died but very quickly it came out I mean certainly before the close of the programme yesterday we had heard that somebody has been, had been killed in that accident on the M50 so please guys and gals stop and think uh, before you're sharing anything online 1850 John Paul taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp you can 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Noel Howard uh, Transport they've got vacancies for Arctic drivers it's to work in the North Cork area while a driver for a concrete pump ready mix truck is wanted that's in the Cork City uh, area and a Montessori school and after school club in Can Turk Natalines are looking for a full-time preschool leader to work in their busy Montessori and after-school club. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. And on that uh, horrific accident that happened uh, yesterday where that young woman from Dublin lost her life, a texter says, Trish, it's no surprise that that video was put up on social media. Just last summer, a well-known motorcycle racer lost his life it was put up on Facebook. We have a very sick society. I wonder what they would think if it was their family because it was shared around the world because that's what happens when you release something onto the internet and it goes uh, viral. Yeah, uh, nobody seems to stop and think if it was one of their own family members they wouldn't be fe- feeling too good uh, about it. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Now yesterday we highlighted local concerns in Skibbereen about the proposed plastic factory that has received planning permission in the area. Residents living on the Cork-Kerry border also have concerns, but theirs is over planning granted for a wind farm. Joining me from the Schlieve-Lucra Wind Awareness Group is Fred O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Fred. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, just to get the background here, uh, Kerry County Council refused planning, but then on board Planola granted planning permission. Um, can you outline what Silver Birch Renewables, that's the company, what they want to do in the area? Yes, well, what they want, they uh, applied for was to build 14 giant-sized turbines. And if the, if these were built, they would be among the tallest man-made structures in Ireland. Uh, Kerry County Council turned that down. Then they went to onboard Panala and they granted the permission, uh, but they reduced it from 14 to 12 turbines. But still the same, these... The, Still giant turbines. Absolutely. These are, we're talking, just to give you an idea, these will be taller than Cove Cathedral, taller than the Spire in Dublin, 
taller than Killarney Cathedral, if you can just imagine Goodness that. Goodness me, that's huge. And if you put that in a rural setting, 500 metres from the front door of a bungalow or even a two-storey house, you can imagine the impact. How close to local communities will some of these turbines be? Well, some of them will be within 500 metres. And you see, the problem is the 500 metres is actually a, a guideline, which is not a law, it's a guideline. And we have seen here locally where wind farms have, have moved the guidelines. There's one family home here in Scottsdale, and there's a turbine 380 metres from their front door. Their life oh. is a living hell. OK, just explain to people, if you're living that close to a wind uh, turbine, is, is there noise? Is there a noise factor? There is a huge noise factor, and especially if you're around the 500 metres, even up to a kilometre, um, you can hear the noise, and it's a real uh, drumming. Uh, it really disturbs your, your peace. It's, it's horrible. But on top of that, there's what there's called infrasound, and that travels far beyond 500 metres. In fact, uh, reports from Finland and Germany are saying that it can be measured up to 15 kilometres away, and that's hugely uh, damaging to health and stuff like you know, if you have a hearing aid or a pacemaker, stuff like that, you will be hugely affected. And even the World Health Organization has confirmed that. And for the first time last week in the Dáil, our, our planning minister, Owen Murphy, actually acknowledged uh, the findings of the World Health Organization, which I suppose is somewhat uh, of a consolation that they're starting to wake up to what's actually happening here. But just um, for people out there, we are actually pro-green here in Lucra. Um, and we have huge interest in the environment because we have hen harriers and we have freshwater pearl mussel and we have one of the most important wintering grounds of raptors in Europe is here in Schlieflukra. And all that forms an integral part of who we are. So that's hugely important to us. We are not anti-wind turbine. What we're fighting is putting turbines so close to our houses that they're affecting our health. There's actually people in our community who know they will have to leave their homes if this wind farm goes ahead. Because there, you already have an amount of, of wind turbines in Kerry. Now, nothing on, this, nothing on the size of this, but you do have wind turbines. Oh, absolutely. If you go up to Ballinahulla or even looking from uh, Ballydevon Village, um, there a few weeks ago I counted 54 turbines uh, from the top of Ballinahulla. And like... If this goes ahead, Ballydesmond Village will be a no-go area in in a very short period of time because there's a whole lot more stuff coming down the road. And I would appeal to people, you know, uh, a lot of people think it's not going to affect us. But if you're living within a 20-mile radius of Ballinahulla or Ballydesmond Village, you definitely need to get on board, tag along and educate yourself and see where we're going because places like Kishkeem, Bohabuino Market, Kilcommon, Nachnagree, Ratmore, if you're in any of those townlands, there's a turbine coming to a field near you pretty soon. And it's because of the size, the it size and, and, and the scale of it. And Fred, you know the argument, not in my backyard. Yeah. Um, it, 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 you, you and your group say it's more than that. It isn't just that we just don't oh, want to live near not. one of these. Yeah. No, like if there was respect for a family home and like if these, definitely there should be a kilometre from a home. And even at that rate, like you, that, that's borderline like that still affects health but even a kilometre would be somewhat respectful like putting a turbine within 500 metres of a home is it stops nothing short of abuse it's like that's third world country stuff when you have a chief planning officer in our country a state body stating that the health and well-being of a community does not come under the remit of on board Panala that's dictatorship that's like that's beyond words I, I, I even find it shocking 
that we can accept a statement like that in a so-called first world country. And when Kerry County Council turned down the planning permission back in May of, of 2017, what reasons did they cite for turning it down? Well, they, they spoke about the proximity to houses, but also the visual and the environmental. Um, like even if you take the visual, here on the Lachine Road, there's uh, three turbines proposed. And because they'll be built on top of a ridge, they'll actually be 180 metres higher than the level of the middle of the road. Now, that would be a total distraction to anybody driving along the road. So there's that element. There's the environmental um like, the list is endless, and in, I must admit, like, reading Kerry County Council's refusal, they ma- they did make a strong case. And it's just, it's shocking that on board Pinal could in some way overrule that and justify uh, pushing these through. So, where where are you at now? I mean, we spoke yesterday about the plastics factory in Skibbereen, and they've just been granted uh, leave for a judicial review in, in the High Court, which, I have to say, is a costly procedure. They're out fundraising uh, for it morning, noon, and night. Will you go down the route of judicial review? Oh, absolutely, yes, absolutely. Uh, we're currently drafting our statement of ground, is what it's known as in, in the legal business, and we will be swearing an affidavit in the next few days and uh, seeking judicial review. And we have started fundraising. And I must say the community are really behind us. It's most encouraging. Uh, I would say every business within a 20-mile radius has signed up uh, to our booklet for the Night of the Dogs and we have a whole lot of fundraising going on. Well done, well done. And our, isn't, there, isn't there, even though, and we touched on this yesterday as well, isn't there something wrong that local communities who are you know, fantastic when it comes to any sort of fundraising, that they have to go out and fundraise and it's money that, you know, they could be using for local communities or charities or stuff, and instead it, it has to be used to go to barristers and solicitors to fight these cases. Exactly. It's heartbreaking. Some, yeah, it is heartbreaking. We it are is. here. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
a community and we go around knocking on doors. We're knocking on the doors of senior citizens who pay their taxes all their life and we're asking them to give us a part of their pension to help protect them from their own government, really. And we're knocking on doors of young families who are barely keeping their heads above water, they have mortgages, young children going to school, they're in negative equity. And we're banging on doors, their doors, looking for money where two parents are out working just trying to rear a family. It's Like I said earlier on, it is nothing short of abuse. And Fred, like everybody say, you know, we all know we have to go to renewable energies and, and, and we all know, you know, the you know wind, whatever it is, or, or solar. What is the answer to these giant turbines? Where should they be placed? Well, you see, I mean, I see now whether uh, the other day it was announced they're going out at sea up in yeah. Dorky in Dublin. And again, like, I'm, we're not uh, against wind turbines, but when you sit down and do the figures, it's costing the taxpayer in Ireland 3.2 million a day. Now, just think about that figure, 3.2 million a day. That's 1.2 billion a year in subsidies for wind energy. And I can tell you, the day that subsidy will stop, so will the turbines. They don't pay for themselves financially. They don't cover their um, footprint environmentally or their carbon footprint. Um, but like, if, if they still want to build them and if they really feel that they want to go down that route because the only thing wind turbines will generate in Ireland is subsidies and grants. But at least if they have to do that, do it where it doesn't affect homes and lives. Now put it out at sea. And exactly. interesting that they're going to put it out in the sea in Dorky. They wouldn't be building big wind turbines in Dorky, would they? Exactly. Uh, okay. Exactly. All right. So you're going for judicial uh, review. Uh, keep in contact with us, uh, Fred. And um, yep. Can yeah, I just say before I go that yeah. all our committee will have tickets for our night of the dogs from Monday night on. So okay. Everyone. Uh, when's your night of the dogs? Uh, the 23rd of February in Tralee, and it's going to be a good night. So we're okay. encouraging everybody to join us. It'll be a good community all event right. as well. All right, Fred. Thank you for that. And Thank uh, thanks, for sure. uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Fred O'Sullivan and their group is called the Schlieve Lucra Wind Awareness uh, Group. And it's sort of, it's the other side of the county with Skibreen and the plastic factory. We have uh, Schlieve Lucra, Cork Kerry border, uh, worried about this wind uh, farm. And it's just, it's the size of these wind turbines. I mean, they are ginormous. They're great big monsters of things. I think Fred is right as well. If you're driving along and you come around a bend, even though I'd say you'd see these things for miles, it can be a distraction. It certainly can be a distraction when suddenly this monster of a thing appears out of, I can't say out of nowhere because with the size of these particular wind turbines, they certainly won't appear out of nowhere. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven C103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And by the way, I should have mentioned this when I was talking with Fred O'Sullivan of the, the Schlieve Lucra, uh, who are against the wind turbines in, in Schlieve Lucra. We did contact uh, Silver Birch Wind Farm Projects, who are based in Kerry. They're the company behind this wind farm proposal for uh, Schlieve Lucra. They acknowledged that they received our email and said one of their team would reply. Uh, to us but we haven't we did to, up to um, us going live with uh, Fred we haven't heard back from uh, Silver Birch Wind Farm uh, Project but if we do we will bring that uh, to you now the start of a new year 
is often a time when people think of taking up a new hobby or a new pastime. So, joining me to discuss the benefits of becoming a member of your local Toastmasters group, I'm joined by Siobhan Cronin of the West Cork Toastmasters group and Siobhan also happens to be news editor with the Southern Star and they're about to hold some meetings in the Celtic Ross, open meetings in the Celtic Ross in Ross Garbury where they hold their meetings. Uh, good morning to you Siobhan. Good morning Patricia. And, and, and you're welcome. Now, I was interested to see the Toastmasters is in existence for 90 years with clubs all over the world. What prompted you personally to get involved with Toastmasters? Right. Well, Patricia, I got involved last um, April, I think, now at this stage. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it was really because I found myself increasingly with work having to do um, public speaking events or giving presentations or even just small little speeches at, at um, maybe gatherings, you know, with the company and that. And I just have a huge fear of speaking in public. <laughs> and people who know me wouldn't believe that for one second, yeah. you know, because they say, oh God, you're very confident and, you know, you've had a great career and all the rest. But I actually hate it. I mean, I don't even like talking now on the radio, but at least when I'm not standing in front of a crowd, I'm a little bit better able to cope. Yeah, I, listen, I'm, I'm with you on, on that one. Yes. And I think everyone, we all have this fear of public speaking. I mean, I was I was chatting uh, yesterday about the fact that I, I would be doing this interview today with, with a friend of mine and I was saying, you know that fear, you're at a meeting, a public meeting, it could be at a school meeting with the kids and you really want, you have a point that you want to make, but you're just in dread of putting your hand up for fear that everyone's going to be looking at you. Nobody is looking at you, but there's just this fear factor. So by joining Toastmasters, what happens? You you get taught the skills to overcome that fear. Is, is that it? Well, there's kind of two prongs to it, I think, myself. I think you get taught skills, which is great, but I think a lot of it is to do with repetition and the fact that you're putting yourself on the spot constantly. Our meetings are actually once a week in the West Cork Toastmasters, which is quite regular. A lot of clubs would be maybe every two weeks. And um, if you want to put yourself in there and go every week and, and put yourself on the spot, you can. And I have, I have discovered that by doing that, because I'm doing it every week, <clears throat> it's getting easier and easier and easier. And that really, I think, is the key. It's like anything, the more times you do it, the less, of a fright you get basically yeah. when you do it and that's that's what I've learned really is that the first week oh my god my heart was pounding I was sweating <laughs> I was shaking my voice was shaking when I stood up to speak the second week a little bit more of that and then eventually after about two or three months I was able to get up and say something and I felt no my voice has been shaking my heart has slowed down a bit and um no, they're not all looking at me. And if they are, it's because they want to help. They're encouraging so you. They're encouraging okay, describe me, yeah. what happens at a typical Toastmaster meeting. Right, well, it's um, there is a kind of a very general format and there's a lot of rules and regulations, but I think that it's very deliberate because, again, you're getting used to a routine and that. But the way we uh, we base our meetings is that we have maybe two to three proper speeches, which are maybe four to five or six minutes long, depending where you are on the programme, because there's actually a programme you can follow. Um, you know, where you start off with smaller speeches and you get longer speeches then as you go through the programme and more complicated and evol- involving research or maybe involving um, technology or whatever way you want to basically choose to go, you can tailor the this, this speech programme for that. So we'd have two to three long speeches uh, at the start of the meeting. And then um, we would have what are called table topics, which is really two minutes or one minute of just talking about a topic that's thrown out. It could be 
something daft, it could be something serious. We never talk about religion and okay. we never talk about politics. So right. there's no rows. Okay. But, like at Christmas, we had a lovely one about the elf on the shelf, you know, and yeah. that was our, our theme for the day. And it was hilarious and people had great stories. And if you want to talk for 10 seconds at Table Topics, you can do that. If you don't want to talk at all, you just let it pass. Um, if you want to, you know, do the two, the full two minutes, that's fine too. And if you are really nervous, that's a really good way of just, you know, standing up and saying a few words once a week or every two weeks. Just eases just you ease into, it. into it. Yeah. And the, the you mentioned two minutes. Are they strict on timing? Is, is there, There's a timekeeper at every meeting okay. and depending on where you are at the meeting, like, you know, if you have, a, if you're doing an actual speech that's four or five minutes and you go over it, if that was a competition, you'd be gone. So okay. you're very conscious of the time. But we have a kind of a, a new light system as well where, you know, a light comes on after one minute and maybe after so you one know, and a half yeah. minute, then you know, yeah. Well, so that's good. I mean, I, I do think that's important as well because you don't want somebody rambling on. Well, that's it. I mean, there's no rambling. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no rambling because the longest um, for table topics would be two minutes. And for the other speeches, you're given a topic and, you you know, you have to have it written and organised and designed. Now, the other thing about it is the whole thing about Toastmasters is the support that you get. Uh, you might have 12 to 15 people at a meeting. You'll have somebody evaluating your speech if you're doing a proper speech and they will give you tips on how you can improve or maybe where you went wrong. Now, we have a very good kind of positive attitude whereby we don't really pick out too many negativeness. Good on you. We try and twist it into, you know, it might be slightly better if you did this rather than this. Um, so it's all about encouragement. And also, before you do your speech, you'd have um, a mentor who will go through the speech with you and help you and maybe say, oh, would this be better if you put this in and put that in? So for a lot of people, even writing the speech can be very difficult, but there's an awful lot of help. And there's also an awful lot of help online. I mean, uh, my sister was involved years ago, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, and I went to a few meetings with her. And things have changed completely. It's all online now. Yeah. You can look at videos. You can look at tutorials. There's so much stuff out there to help you that um, it's, it's made quite easier. And really. Siobhan, a new member turning up for the first meeting, you, you, they'd never be forced to speak. Oh, absolutely not. Ne- yeah. In fact, we'd encourage people to come to one, two or maybe even three meetings and say nothing and just observe. Um, and then at that stage, they'd know for sure whether they want to get involved or not. Now, because a lot of us are at a certain level, like we've had people come to meetings and say, oh, my God, you're all so professional and you yeah. sound fantastic. But we always make the point that when we started out, we weren't. And yeah. I, for one, can say, oh, my God, I oomed an ad and stuttered my way through my first few speeches. But you look down and everyone is smiling at you. And if you stop and you can't remember what you want to say, they're you know, they'd be clapping and they'd be, oh, come on. And, you know, so there's absolutely no pressure. And um, I think that's the really lovely thing about it. And we have a lot of laughs. We've Like, there's you can you can have a humorous speech, maybe, if that's the road you want to go down, be better at humorous speaking. Um, so, you know, it's really it's a really fun environment. I come out of there every week and I've laughed my head off Isn't that for great? most of the hour. And, and I also, any time I've ever spoken with any, cause, and there's, there's, you know, a variety of, of really strong Toastmasters uh, groups, uh, particularly across the county, the, the friendships, great friendships are formed. Oh, absolutely. Um, we had a Christmas lunch there now, uh, just, just before the Christmas break. And it was just lovely to see people had obviously really bonded over the years and I'm only I'm not even there a year and I feel like I've made really good friends right. there and it's a lovely 
I suppose that's probably the beauty too of West Cork. It's a very much a, a mixed bag of people living here and you do get that reflected in the meetings too. You know, right, right. All people from all walks of life, some are professionals, some are not, some are kind of maybe they'll only be staying maybe for a year or two in the area and, they, and what you can do then is you can go to other Toastmasters clubs in other areas if you want, if you want to move on. Some people have come to us from other areas where they were already members Great. in other clubs. And so. you know, we, we talk about rural isolation and we're always talking about there's nowhere for people to go except the pub and you can't drink and drive. Here's here's something that people can go to where you can go on your own for a start. You don't have to have somebody in tow uh, with you and it doesn't involve drinking. Oh no, absolutely not. It involves a lovely cup of tea and a coffee <laughs> and some nice biscuits <laughs> afterwards. But there's no drink involved and our meetings are on a Saturday morning as well. Now is that unusual, Siobhan? It is. Yeah. Um, I think there's one other club in the district that is Saturday mornings but they're they're mostly um, weeknights but it's great because it wouldn't have suited me on a weeknight because I do a lot of night work. So it's 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 just nice and then you're not in a rush afterwards and some people stay on and have lunch in, in the Celtic Grass and, and bond a little bit better afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So, it's great. Um, it's it's great. Now, in order to give people a sample of what of what it's all about, you're going to do some open days at your meetings for the first two sashes, I think, in February, is it? Yes, the 2nd and the 9th of February. And it's something we do every year. And it's kind of how we really, I suppose, interact with people who are just trying to decide whether they should join or not. So it's, uh, it's all it involves, really, is coming along to the meeting, which you can do any time. But this is specifically geared towards you know, having newbies in the audience. So just come along, sit down and listen. You don't have to participate. You can just observe. If you do feel you want to stand up, if there's a topic that comes up that you're particularly interested in and you want to do 10 seconds, 20 seconds or two minutes, you're more than welcome. And if not, just sit and listen and, and see what goes on. Yeah, and it's as I, as I said at the outset, start of the new year, people are always talking about taking on a new hobby. I, I really do think uh, Toastmasters is is a terrific uh, hobby to take on. And I know we dear to Lenahan from Mallow who ended up representing Ireland in the world Toastmasters. Well, that is the other element of it too. There is competition. There's competitions if you want to put yourself forward. Again, no pressure. Some people see it as part of their progress, you know, that they can really measure their progress by entering contests. There's even table topics contests, which is where you can just get up and, and speak impromptu for two minutes. Uh, you don't know the topic before you go in f- to the contest. And then there's people who never enter competitions and they just, they're just tracking their own progress privately or with their mentor. So again, that's up to, up to you. Individuals. But, you Are know, you into the competition competitive aspect of it? I, well, I, I've entered a few of Have the um, table topics. Yeah, I got yeah. as far as the, I got, I, I won the club one and I got to the next level and I won that one and I couldn't unfortunately just because the timing I couldn't go any further but it, it, it really it really shocked me that I had got that far well done, even. Well so done. It, it was a lovely little boost and we give little awards for everything in, in the in the club as well you know for the best table topic on the day or people who get to different levels in their programme they get awards and it's, it's just lovely to kind of acknowledge that people are making progress I mentioned earlier when I was teeing up that you were coming on the programme about a father of the bride right. and a father of the bride going forward to and certainly a number of years ago it became the go-to place. Have you seen any Fathers of the Bride? We we haven't seen Fathers of the Bride so far. I think that was very much, as you say, a few years ago, that, that yeah, was kind it of... Yeah, was the place. Other, um, maybe there are other outlets now online in that. You can maybe, courses. maybe. It's probably a little bit more social where we are, but there are a lot of people who maybe have been at home with the kids for a while and are going back into work. And even it's just, it's like a lot of it is just to gain confidence. They mightn't even ever need to speak in public, but it is a confidence boosting thing as well if you feel that you can get up and, and speak in front of strangers. But we do have a lot of people who need it for work um, and who find it very, very difficult 
to stand even in front of seven or eight people in in a boardroom. And and again, you know, it's perfectly geared towards that. And there's very there's there's quite a broad range of reasons why people join, and some people just for the social aspect, yeah. as you said. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite a broad range, you know, Good. which is great. Okay, somebody wants to know: Is there a Toastmaster for under 18s? That I don't know. Yeah, I've never. That at me now, but no. I know. I'm I'm not sure what the age um, limit is on this, but I know I I went to a few meetings years ago when I was definitely under 18. A 16 or 17 year old just to observe with my sister so I don't know if we'd be turning anyone away if they were very young to be honest I don't, yeah, think, be a I don't think there's a specific club I've certainly never heard of a specific club just for under 18s under the umbrella of Toastmaster not that I know of now we could be wrong if anybody knows of one uh, let us know OK so Siobhan Celtic Ross in Moscarbury 11am tomorrow week tomorrow week okay. so February 2nd and again on February 9th so whichever day suits from 11am and it's 11am sharp. We're oh. very good at timekeeping. Okay, that's that, that's another thing that all Toastmasters groups say they start bang on time. Bang on okay, time. Listen, and finish bang on time well please, done. if you're rushing off somewhere 12.30. Well done. Listen, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Good luck with it and thanks for joining us. Thanks Patricia. Bye bye. That bye. is uh, Siobhan Cronin who many people would know as the news editor with the Southern Star but she joins us this morning on behalf of the West Cork Toastmasters who meet in the Celtic Ross in Ross Garbury. Text in from WhatsApp in from Rachel saying, do you have to pay a membership fee for Toastmasters? And do you know that's a, a very obvious question, Rachel, that I didn't ask uh, Siobhan. Um, I, I know I can see John Paul is on a call at the moment. I'm, I'll try and get him to get back on to Siobhan. I just did a quick look, um, a quick Google search on Toastmasters and do they have fees? And it seems to vary from club to club. There seems to be an annual membership that you pay and then some Toastmasters groups will, you know, guests that come along, they'll ask them for a five euro entry fee because obviously they have to hire venues where they hold their meetings. So there is a level of cost. Doesn't seem to be, though, very expensive from what I can see. But what we'll do is I'll get John Paul to get back on to Siobhan uh, Cronin of the West Cork Toastmasters just to find out how much in West Cork how much do they actually charge but as I say from what I can see online it does seem to vary from Toastmaster group to Toastmaster group from what I can see uh, there if anybody can clarify that let us know 1850-333-103 and Anthony Pickford in Limerick has texted in to wants to wish the very best of luck to Liam Sheehan and uh, Deirdre O'Neill on the closure of Sheehan's Fruit and Veg Shop Last day business is tomorrow. And Anthony says, I want to wish them the best from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for your friendship. We'll miss you uh, guys. That's uh, from Anthony in Limerick. John Paul got back on to Siobhan Cronin of the West Cork Toastmasters group. Firstly, can we clarify the Toastmasters is only for over 18s. There isn't any uh, membership available to under 18s and there's no clubs available for, for under 18s. It's just it's an, oh, it's an adult only uh, club. And that seems to be worldwide from what I can gather as well. Anyway, on the fees, somebody said how much does it cost to join Toastmasters? Well, the West Cork Toastmaster group that Siobhan uh, was encouraging people to join, they have to the open days that they're having for the next 
from tomorrow week and the, the Saturday after so the first two Saturdays in February if people want to go, go along to the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Garbury for their open days 11 o'clock both mornings that's free of charge just for people to get a feel for to see if Toastmasters is for you then if you decide to join there is a membership fee of 20 euro and then you pay 50 euro every six months and for that you get access to all the online resources online programmes you get a magazine and offers to other clubs uh, etc so it isn't a very expensive hobby 20 euro to join and then 50 euro 100 euro then uh, across the year so not expensive and from what I can gather looking online it's similar prices in other clubs as well and if you check it out there will be a Toastmasters group uh, near you that's for sure WhatsApp uh, to 0862103103 Dan in Maddow says Hi Patricia can you ask if anybody else has experienced how businesses Dan feels are exploiting the VAT increase this is the VAT increase from the tourism sector the hospitality sector which has gone up to 13.5% the VAT had been set at 9% during the recession and that was to give a dig out to the hospitality uh, sector but then in the last budget it was announced that that was being reversed and they were going back to the 13.5% and that came in on the 1st of January earlier this month and Dan feels with the 13.5% he feels some businesses are exploiting it and the example he gives I went to have my hair cut the other day the, it had gone up from €12 Euro to €14. Euro. When I asked why there was an increase, she said it was due to the VAT increase. But this is a lot more than the percentage put on by the government. Typical Irish price gorging. Wait until Brexit hits. It'll be another excuse to be robbed blind, says Dan. Has anybody else noticed that things have gone up within the hospitality sector? And for I still cannot quite understand why hairdressers are classed as the hospitality sector but they are. So we knew that when the VAT went up from 9% to 13.5% uh, from January 1st, 2019, meals out, staying in a hotel was all going to get more expensive, but also in that was haircuts because hairdressers fall in under the hospitality sector as well. Now, I don't know if all hairdressers put up the price. Some, I suppose, maybe some of the larger hairdressers would be able to absorb the increase, but it's a 4.5% increase on the VAT. I don't know what size hair salon Dan went to, whether it was a smaller one, because I take it the smaller ones would not be able to take a hit like that because at the end of the day, they have to pay the VAT man. So they have to get the money somewhere. So, But I don't know if all hairdressers have put up their prices or not. Are actually not just hairdressers, the hospitality sector. Have people noticed, see, it was easy for Dan to notice that increase because he knew, you know, he probably had his 12 euro ready to pay and then suddenly he was being asked for 14 euro. But I'm wondering when people have gone out for dinner, gone out for lunch, stayed at a hotel, have you noticed an increase in the price? Are, are some of the businesses saying no they'll take the hit rather than pass it on to their uh, customers. I would be interested to hear from people if you have no noticed prices going up. Now, Dan mentioned Brexit and he is fearful that Brexit will be another excuse to put up prices on Brexit. Michael says, Patricia, hi, the French finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, Le Maire, I heard this guy speak yesterday, I was impressed with him. He has taken a very stern 
given a very stern warning to the UK over Brexit and no deal. He was speaking at the World Economic Forum, which is on in uh, Davos this week, when he said, and this is a quote from the French finance minister, an agreement is an agreement and the responsibility of Brexit is clearly on the shoulders of the British government, not on the shoulders of the government of the EU member states. You cannot be out of the EU and getting all of the benefits of the single market. That is clear clearly a red line now for France. He said that in the event of a no deal, France could not ease the process by offering a side deal on aviation and logistics. And that I thought, I, I saw that interview and I saw that statement that he gave. I thought that was a very, very stern warning. Will it make the Brexiteers wake up and smell the roses in England and in the United Kingdom, Michael? I don't know. I don't know. They just seem to be so both sides now seem to be have they just dug their heels in. I, I mean, I do think the EU have been doing their best to try to help out Theresa May, but I just think the Brexiteers in the United Kingdom are entrenched and that's it. And there's just, I worry, I worry for a no deal Brexit. I really do. On haircuts. Hi, Patricia. My haircut has also gone up. It went from 20 euro to 25 euro. So you can tell Dan he's not on his own. And another texter says, yes, I got a dry cut last week in Formoy. It was always 20 euro. It's now gone to 22 euro for a dry cut. Some hairdressers are doing great business. I suppose if you have to get your haircut, you have to get your haircut. That's expensive, is it, for a dry cut? 22, 20 to 22 euro. Anyway, depends on the hairdresser that you're going to. But Dan, it looks like you're not on your own. A lot of hairdressers have gone up. My hairdresser says the texture has gone up from 35 euro to 45 euro. And yes, it is because of the VAT increase. But I have to agree with Dan. I think that was a lot to go from 35 to 40 euro. And another texter says I was charged 68 euro for a cut and colour last night. It up to Christmas it had been 55 euro so it went from 55 euro to 68 euro that is a 12 euro increase I was also quoted 98 euro by another salon for the same service which I didn't go with as I couldn't afford it so it is expensive to go for a cut and a uh, colour and even within salons, shop around. Shop around to get your hair done as well. That's for sure. But a number of people noticing that, yes, since the VAT went up at the start of January, hairdressers definitely are putting up their uh, prices. Breathe in Mill Street. This is on sugar-free and sugar-free. Going for the better buys when you go into the supermarket. This is the piece we did earlier showing a third of our of the offers that are on are bad for you. They're full of fat or they're full of sugar and they're just not the healthy options and safe food are saying you need to be you know, you need to be smart, be a savvy shopper and go for the healthy choices. Well Breathe in Mill Street says sugar free items in supermarkets are an awful price. She cites examples. She said six sugar-free biscuits, two euro. And a bar of sugar-free chocolate, one euro ninety-nine. Yet you can get an ordinary chocolate bar for 40 cents. That's crazy. But you see, Breathe, what you're talking about there, they're not healthy options either. They're just items where the sugar has been removed so that diabetics, for example, can have a biscuit or can have a bar of chocolate. If you went to Safe Food or went to Operation Transformation or any of the dietitians, they're not the foods they're trying to get you to buy. They're trying to encourage us to buy more fruit and veg and go, go down the healthy option. But all of those, it's like any, any of those options, the free of, in this case, free of sugar, if you're trying to follow 
a gluten-free diet, which I've been having a problem with gluten for quite some time. And I've gone gluten-free with a lot of items like, well, all items that I purchase myself. And they're much more expensive if you were to buy gluten-free bread, which it tastes like cardboard unless you toast it I think it's okay toast it I still can't find a nice gluten free bread that you would simply just use fresh but if it's toasted it isn't too bad but a slight, uh, if you're buying a pan of gluten free bread much more expensive than buying your normal uh, bread as well so any of that range of uh, products are always more expensive and actually anything you buy in a health food store is going to go up in price and this is something Annelise Drissel has spoken to us about and we will chat about in more detail with her on Monday and it's the the price of the more popular food supplements and vitamins and minerals uh, that a lot of people use to ward off colds and flus are going to go up by from March because the revenue commissioners are imposing this 23% VAT on items that are on sale in health food stores and uh, pharmacies and it is expected to go through. I know health food stores and pharmacies have been fighting it. At the moment, there is a zero VAT rating applied to vitamins, minerals and fish oil supplements, things like omega-3s. And there's been a zero rate of VAT for the last 43 years, but a new measure is to be brought in and... um, it instead, the Revenue Commission has decided they're going to impose 23% VAT on all of those items. And I can never understand that because if you go into a fast food outlet and you go to buy a burger, the VAT on a burger is a 13.5%. So why would you deem vitamins and minerals and fish oil supplements, why would you deem that a luxury item because they're setting it at the 23% and 23% VAT is what a luxury item is and in the papers today they cite some examples like the Udo's Choice Ultimate Oil will increase and they're expensive as it is from 25 99 at the moment that will go up to €31.97 so there will be a €5 Euro of an increase on that Glucosamine sub- Sulfate will go from €15.92 to €19.54. And the rescue remedy, which a lot of people swear by, it's used for emotional support. There's one brand called Nelson's Rescue Remedy. That will go from €12.50, where it is at the moment, up to €15.35. Now, I know the new the new measure is, is been strongly objected to by health food stores and uh, pharmacies, but it does look like revenue commissioners are determined to push that through. So a lot of our vitamins and things are going to be going up from March. As I say, we'll talk a little bit more about it with Annalise on Monday. 1850 John Paul takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie Kinsale Men's Shed are hosting a talk by Lighthouse Keeper Jared Butler. It's in their premises. It's on tonight at 7.45. New and old members are welcome to come along. The Ballinhasic Community Development Association, they've got a fundraising Kaylee. Marion Hall in Ballinhasic tonight. Music by Jerry McCarthy. It's from 9.45 and teas will be stir- served. Sweet Shop on the Shore will be performed tonight at half past seven in the Church of the Resurrection, Blarney. That's the Church of Ireland. 
It is an autobiographical storytelling performance by Kate Corkery, a multi-award winning performance not to be missed. A presentation dance will be held tonight in the Park Hotel in Dunmanway from 10pm. Music by Finbar Dennehy. Funds raised from the O'Mahony Home Christmas Lights Display will be presented to local charities. A great night of dancing and spot prizes assured. Kildare Bingo is on tonight. Community Hall with a jackpot of €1,140. And it's half eight uh, start. Clyde Rovers GAA Lotto draw that's on tonight. The Hill Bar in Bottle Hill. Jackpot there, €12,500 with tickets from Jerry O'Donoghue. And Inishan and Nakavilla Defibrillator Group, they've got their annual fundraising table quiz. Barrett's Lodge tonight from half past eight. Tables of four, please. And finally, the Marion players in Rathmore. They're presenting their 2019 pantomime Rapunzel. It's in the community hall in Rathmore. It's on on Saturday, tomorrow Saturday, and again on Wednesday the 30th, and then on Thursday and Friday, 31st and the 31st of January and Saturday the 2nd. Matinee's at three. And you can get further details about booking your tickets to 085-135-1810 because all proceeds from the Rathmore pantomime going to the Kerry Parents and Friends Association. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, the theft of a historic sculpture from Patrick Street in Cork City has reignited a long-running debate about the handling of historic artefacts. Historian and Cork City councillor Kieran McCarthy has described himself as being both saddened and furious at the theft. And um, Kieran joins me. Good morning or good afternoon to you, Kieran. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah morning. Um, you're welcome. Describe the item that's been stolen. That's a actually a small piece of sculpture. It's, I don't know, a quarter of a metre by like a few centimetres at the dog trough. Um, but it's a carved limestone uh, dog trough that was given by Seamus Murphy to uh, Nolly uh, uh, Stokes of uh, uh, the, the old Bridge House restaurant bar on uh, St. Patrick Street uh, way back in 1960. So the, the piece has been there for six decades and then was stolen sometime uh, during the week. Um, and when it was originally put in place, was it to be used by dogs? Yeah. To have that, a drink yeah. of water? Yeah, yeah. And many people used it for, for, for many years. Um, I suppose in, in our in recent times, dogs don't use it. But I mean, it's it's, it's an affectionate piece like people know about it. I mean, you ask any, the majority of Corkonians would know where it is or would have passed it or would have yeah. been on a tour. Or I mean, it's as iconic as I've thought an actual statue or the shaky bridge. And the um, word Madra written on it. And the Madri, yeah, for yeah. dogs. Yeah. Um, I mean, Seamus Murphy, I mean, he's not, not just known in the city, but also known in the county, like, for his work further afield. I mean, he designed many of the, sculpted many of the War of Independence memorials. That there's an ongoing discussion at the moment in this kind of decade of commemoration. I mean, he, his, his studio was in Blackpool. He kind of opened up his own studio in 1934. And probably his first statue is probably the, the famous St. Finbar that's on the gable end of the Ola Maxima in UCC and that replaced the Queen Victoria statue that was taken down yeah. and buried on the grounds of UCC. So like, there's a lot of interesting tales and quirkiness and curiosities of Seamus Murphy's work so it's an important piece. It's an important piece. piece. Okay, and what do we know or believe happened? 
Um, I suppose I sent out an appeal yesterday. I mean, I got a, I got a heads up like on social media, and I went into town, and the the, the piece was missing. I then emailed the heritage officer and the conservation officer um, in Cork City Council, going, "Well, did you take it away to be cleaned, or what's happened?" And they said that it was reported to the guards um, earlier on this week. Um, and from what I'm gathering from just bits and pieces being sent out to me from members of the public, it seems to be taken maybe late last week and reported maybe sometime earlier this week. Um, so it seems to be like a it's a week missing an operation, I suppose. Um, and I know that there's a few things going around, or perhaps the council itself took it. But I mean, the council have sent out a press statement that they didn't take. No, it. no, they didn't. And there's yeah, an official complaint yeah. that as well. Yeah. By the owners. But, but I mean, not not an easy piece to remove. No, I mean this was I mean this was cased in, in cement. I mean this is a professional outfit that went on to Partick Street. You'd need two or three people, two people to try to take it out someone watching, put in the back of a van um, and take off. I mean, the CCTV hopefully will pick up the activities. Yeah. What I'm gathering though, it seems to have been done in broad daylight that people just pulled up and no one asked questions and was just taken away. That's kind of what I'm gathering from this information given to me. I can't... I know, I know. That, but this, this seems yeah, to but, but I suppose I in, in people's defence, if you saw... Because it's such an unusual object to steal. If you saw somebody... Yeah working on it like that, you would think, oh, it's been taken away to be cleaned or maybe the yeah. council are, are moving it somewhere. I mean, yeah. in you would never think somebody's going to steal something like this. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, it, it has been, so now we're on the lookout for it, so I'm trying to keep the heat on it. Yeah. Um, certainly, like, it's of no financial value, Patricia. I mean, it's, it's of cultural value to the city. I mean, you you try to sell that in the international market, people go, well, there are dog troughs, limestone dog troughs in my garden, local garden centre. But it's, for us, it's important. Like, it's a shameless Murphy piece. And it's just got cultural value. That's that's what it is, and very important value as well. Um, so now we know it's important to find it. I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of very sad in the last few days that someone will go to that length to actually just pull a dog trough from underneath a building in, in broad daylight and, and just, like, offer it and perhaps try to sell it. But, I mean, we've had a few what I call missing heritage items um, it's been simmering now for a while. We've got a few uh, casks, crates that have been gone missing in the city, taken down from malls, and I think one or two of them have been caught being sold on eBay and things like that. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's illegal to steal things, these things. So, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a role for the Gardaí. But if you, like, if your listeners know, or if somebody or some of the taxi drivers around town are listening to your show and they've seen something in the last week around the site of the uh, the dog trough. I mean, it's kind of down the end of part. It was down the end of Partick Street, opposite the Father Matthew statue underneath. Like, yeah, the, yeah. I think people Park will Street. people will will know exactly where it is and and what you're talking about. So, if anybody has seen anything on onto the Gardaí, please. But would you agree um, that we need to do something to protect all of these items? Something has to be done. We've got to stop this happening. Oh, yeah, I mean, look, I completely agree with that. I mean, I suppose I give tours around town. I try to create awareness in schools and create awareness with the general public about the importance of these items to the, the city and the county's kind of DNA and the sense of place. But, I mean, this thing was... It would have been kind of encased in concrete, some of it bolted down. So somebody would have to actually come along, I don't know, lays with some of the cement away and take it out. I mean, there was, this wasn't the case of someone went up and within two minutes actually had taken this trough out. This, this was like a 20-minute, half-an-hour job. So I mean, like that's 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 the 
question that I have about this. But as you say, it's of no use to anybody else. I mean, we've no. seen in the past where metal items were stolen and we know that they've ended up and they've been melted down and, yeah. and you know, the thief was able to make some money out of it. There's nothing you can do with this. No, no, no. And I mean, to go back to your question as well, like we do have a dynamic conservation officer who uh, goes around town making sure some of our older buildings, they do have protected status, are protected and works closely with developers to make sure that there's a happy balance between, a, I suppose, a new building inside and the exterior of the old. And also we've got, a, we've got a good heritage officer as well that works closely with historical societies. I mean, you know yourself when people ring into your show, Patricia, like there's a numerous historical societies across the county yeah. that are like agents of history or agents of heritage. And they're on the lookout as well. Um, I mean, if someone, if someone who has an interest in local history, like, um, I, suppose, I suppose, messaged me on Twitter going, where is this gone? <laughs> uh, and that's why I'm kind of moving on it. So there are people watching the whole time. I mean, it's the set of no financial value, it's of cultural value. If anyone has seen it, report it to the Garda and Angus Okay. All right, and hopefully it will be found and returned uh, in the meantime. Uh, Kieran, thank you for that, and yeah, no uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That is Cork City Councillor uh, Kieran uh, McCarthy, and it's just it's hard. It's you know it's a, it's part of our history, and uh, we we need to find it and get it back and, and stop whoever and for, find out why why would somebody do it? I just cannot understand like a limestone uh, structure. It's you know you can't go on. They can't exactly put it up on eBay and and sell it on. They can't exactly put it into their front garden can they and grow some flowers out of it it'll be spotted surely by somebody 1850 I mentioned the health supplement prices are going up in uh, March they're currently rated zero when and have been for the last 47 years all vitamins minerals and fish oils um, for the last 48 years zero VAT rating but as in for March, they go up to 23%. And says, Patricia, the pharmaceuticals want us to be taking tranquilizers and other drugs instead of health medicines. It's all about greed, unfortunately, says Anne. And she thinks that's where it's coming from. On haircuts going up because of that. John says, not everybody's hair salon has put up their prices. John said, I got my haircut in Rathgormick last week. And it was the same as it was before Christmas. Ten euro. Well done. Well done. Thank you for that, uh, John. Jim says, hi, Patricia. Did anybody see the programme on TG Cahar about what happens to the animals that are exported from EU countries to Turkey and other Muslim countries? I'm a farmer. And it was horrific what way they were treated. Oh, I didn't see it. And it sounds like the type of programme I wouldn't be able to watch, uh, Jim. So you were brave to watch it, particularly as a farmer who obviously has a love and respect for your animals then to see what sounds like awful cruelty to the animals that are exported. TG Carr, did anybody else see that? And they're exported from, from the EU countries. And of course, once they go out of the EU countries, then we have no control going on to Turkey and other Muslim countries. 1850-333-103. Let's take a break and we're back talking movies with Mark Malone. Court Today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. C103 is online everywhere. We'll keep you up to date with everything happening across Cork. Follow us on Facebook. Simply search for C103. Join us on Twitter. Search for our handle at C103 Cork. And for photos and vids, find us on Instagram at C103 Cork. Connect with us on social today at C103. 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you went along to see a movie that a lot of people are talking about this week because the Oscar nominations are out and it's a movie with an Irish connection and it's the movie called The Favourite and then on DVD and streaming uh, a movie called Reprisal. But let us start with a short trailer from The Favourite. Who are you? No ordinary man. I wasn't always a maid. My family fell on hard times. I must take control of my circumstance. You're jealous. She is a viper. You do not need me as an enemy. I'm capable of much unpleasantness. Let's shoot something. I'm not quite following. I apologise, but do what I'm thinking. Shush, what I'm thinking. Okay, this is about Queen Anne. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But that was interesting. I think that uh, little bit of the trailer there gives a very, very good example about uh, the power of the women in this uh, film. I mean, it's a very modern film, even though it's kind of set uh, back in the uh, 18th century. And and at times, uh, the film has a modern look, but also a kind of a modern feel with the script as well, because, you know, there's the use of the C word and and the F word, for example. Yeah, quite quite a lot. And it kind of catches you by surprise. And even the way the film is filmed, I mean, I think the um, the cinematographer, who's an Irishman, uh, has been nominated for an Academy Award as well. And he films it in a very, very, very odd way and he uses what's called a fish eye lens do you know what a fish eye lens no, is? No, no. It's basically where the uh, the centre of uh, what you're looking at is is, is, is the whole part uh, it, it centres on the, the what I'm trying to say is that the whole thing kind of centres on the middle of the screen so therefore the outside of uh, of what you're viewing is kind of offset from that okay. and when it moves and gives a different know, feel it, to the yeah, movie then. Yeah, it's very odd yeah and also uh, I believe that uh, he used natural light as well because I don't think they use film sets I think they actually filmed on location so therefore they're filming within these huge halls and these, these huge rooms and he also films it on ground level so you're looking up a lot and I wonder if it was that because of the light because he uses natural light like candles well, and stuff been, yeah. he does a very very good job yeah. Yeah. but uh, yeah I think it's a very very modern take on it because the women in this film are the ones who really really kind of control everything that's, uh, that's happening and at one stage uh, for example the character you heard uh, shushing somebody there Emma Stone plays this character called Abigail and you know in the 18th century it was the men who wore all the makeup and the wigs and they were very kind of floppish and at one stage uh, you know one of these men comes into her bedroom at one stage and she wants to kiss him and of course he's got all lipstick on and she catches him and just takes that take the stuff off your face and kiss me you know what I mean <laughs> so the women are very very much in control so you're right uh, Olivia Coleman plays uh, Queen Anne who has uh, in, mentally and physically isn't really in, in, in the best of health uh, she's she, frail she is uh, she does uh, suffer terribly from from uh, from gout and uh, mentally is also finding the role of uh, Queen very very difficult Um her close friend is Lady Sarah, played by Rachel Weiss, who very much is in control of her and also in control of her mind as well. And um, Rachel Weiss wants to... They're at war with France and she wants to go to war with France and wipe out France and be in control of France, whilst the military advisers are trying to say, no, we can't do that because it's going to cost too much. So basically, uh, Lady Sarah managed to um, um, advise uh, Olivia Colman to go to war, but then to put up taxes. So therefore, um, there were riots in the streets and because uh, Queen Anne then of course finds out that she's not very popular and that doesn't uh, help her well-being in any way shape or form then Emma Stone arrives who was the cousin of Rachel Weiss. now she used to be a lady but uh, her family lost all their money so now she's just an ordinary uh, scullery maid and she comes in as that just a maid but once more and so befriends Queen Anne and tries desperately uh, you know to move Rachel Weiss out of the way and so then there's this uh, you know really really kind of head-to-head kind of tension between those two which is fascinating as Emma Stone begins to 
um, you know, have a relationship Try and with Queen. yourself with and the Queen. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so the, the film is very, very funny. I mean, it's directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, who uh, makes these kind of very weird, odd movies like um, The Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Lobster, both of which uh, had uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, and in this one, uh, John McNamara did the... the um, uh, did uh, the um, the screenplay to this, and it's 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 much funnier than you might think, but it is dark as well. I mean, it does do, touch on very very dark kind of. Um, but this is subjects. the movie that's been. It's the uh, Irish chances for the uh, for the Oscar. It's, well, it's, it's got ten. It's got ten uh, nominations. But it's seen as exciting. an Irish movie. Well, it's an Irish movie because it's uh, co-produced by an Irish uh, company called Element Pictures. Ah, and, okay, uh, yeah, that's so the connection. All right, exactly. and they got ten nominations. It's got ten nominations. That's yeah. good, isn't it? Including yeah, including uh, Olivia Coleman, who of course is wonderful in everything she does, and she is absolutely fabulous as Queen Anne but everybody's good and it is very much the women as I say who dominate this film and who are in completely uh, in control of this uh, not only the cinematography the acting is great great. the soundtrack is very very odd I mean uh, they didn't just hire someone to do the contract what they've done uh, the, 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 the music uh, what they've done is they've um, basically found different pieces of music from kind of modern composers like Elton John and Philip Glass and people like that and then mixing it with music from kind of Schubert and Mozart and it's quite extraordinary the music and the look of the film I mean it all really does work and it's also very very funny as well and um, and which I, you wouldn't be expecting no certainly not I mean you know the thing is is that if um, if the, you know if you love old costume kind of dramas it's nothing like it this is not you know upstairs downstairs you know what I mean yeah. it's not it's a kind of a modern very much kind of modern take on it and uh, I liked it very much I thought it was very very good indeed I mean it is long at two hours I thought but uh, the performances are great and um, certainly women would love this I think and the ten nominations, worthy nominations, you what, think? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, very much yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so, because uh, some... Uh some movies that have been nominated this year, you know, Black Panther, come on, You're you know, what, what, what is that doing there? I mean, you know, Avengers, they, they say it's the first superhero movie ever to be uh, kind of nominated. Yeah. Avengers last year was a way better film than uh, Black Panther was, you know what I mean? Black Landsman, I kind of liked, but I think in another year it wouldn't be there. Um, the Fred Mercury movie, you know. What do you mean Rhapsody? Great lead performance, but the film itself was not that great, you know. Yeah. So Star there, is Born is there. Stars Born, I did like that. I like that very much indeed. Although Bradley Cooper has not been uh, nominated oh, for Best Director. But which Lady Gaga, did, did, did he get Best Actor? He got Best Actor nomination. His nomination did, yeah, and so. Lady Gaga. And she did too, yeah. So the Best Actress will be a tough one. Well, I think so. Yeah. On this one, yeah, uh, this time, because you've you've got um, it's Glenn Close, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Those two are kind of battling in yeah, all Glenn of the awards uh, um, uh, ceremonies. At well, the moment, didn't so. they share one? Did I see one where they where they both won? I saw that. Yeah, they couldn't yeah. split them, so they decided to give them both the award. Yeah. And who's so we've got Glenn Close, Olivia Colman from for the favourite Lady Gaga, and Melissa McCarthy is in there. Yeah, that's a very Can interesting. Can you ever film. forgive me? Yeah, that's an interesting film. Um, in that she's a forger, basically. It's based on a true story, and it looks great. And yeah. Richard E. Grant is in it. And it's great seeing him back on the screens as well. I, lo- I like Melissa McCarthy. I'm just wondering, has she been nominated before for Best Actress? I don't think so because she mainly so. does comedies. But That's she, it. But, That's, she, yeah. but she does sadness really well. I mean, it, when you see her in some of those comedy films, there are touches of, uh, you know, the talent that uh, you don't normally see because normally she's just swearing yeah. and screaming and shouting. No, she's good at that. Uh, but there is a softness and there is a kind of a, a sensitivity to her which uh, we, we don't see very often and we see in this film. Oh, Apparently. Now, I haven't seen it. I've only seen the trailer. So Yeah, okay. That's worth seeing for yeah. Melissa McCarthy. Okay. So the favourite market out of 10? Oh, good nine. Nine out of 10. Yeah. And that's uh, in the cinema at the moment. And uh, get to see it before the Oscars. Because it's always great if you've seen the movies when, when they're announcing the winners. Now, DVD and streaming is a an action crime thriller called Reprisal. Yeah. 
yeah. Not really floating your boat. It's Bruce Willis, you know. Okay. Mm, yeah. The thing about this is that, of course, there's the, the, these movies don't make it to the cinema. And uh, when I see these movies, the director is a guy by, by the name of Brian A. Miller. And in the last two or three years, he has worked with uh, Bruce Willis about two or three times. And they're all cop dramas. I mean, that's what he makes. And then Bruce, you know, phones in a performance, takes the money and goes. And that's but when, when you say it doesn't make the movies, it, they start out with the belief that it will make the cinemas. Yeah, but they? then, yeah, but then uh, they, they don't, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's the... I mean, actually, there's a story about um, the uh, Sherlock Holmes movie. I think, did I tell you? That I think I told John Paul where it, that didn't do very well. They knew initially that it wasn't going to do very well, so they tried to sell it to um, uh, to Netflix, Netflix. and Netflix yeah. said, "No, thanks, we don't want it." So yeah, they pretty much know pretty early on, you know, what they're going to do with it, and then they just you know make their money through downloads, and, and that's what they do. Like before, it would have gone straight to video, straight to DVD, and in fact, uh, Brian A. Miller's all of his movies pretty much do that. They don't make the cinema, maybe a limited kind of cinema release in some parts of America, and he's been making these uh, cop movies from Bruce Willis, you know, in the last few years and uh, here's just an, another one I mean it's um, it's pretty poor I mean Frank Grillo who's uh, an actor you might have seen in The Purge and, and the Avengers movies uh, he is a bank manager and his, his, his bank gets robbed and so therefore his he uh, initially is uh, a suspect his uh, neighbour is Bruce Willis who is an ex-cop and um, so he teams up with him to try and find the guy who um, robbed Rob the, bank. the bank. And that's basically what the film is about. It's just them trying to catch him, and he's one step behind, a step ahead all the time. The FBI spent 10 years catching this guy, but they catch him almost by going on the internet and going, oh, look, that's him. Uh, you know, and it's very, very silly, and it's very, very boring. The, the thing, actually, when I talk about the soundtrack of uh, The Favourite and how good it was, the soundtrack of this thing was uh, made by a guy called Rush D. Williams, and it's really overwrought, and it's in your ears constantly, and it's, it, it's, it's very, very annoying. Um, but yeah, I I can't recommend it. I'm afraid. Uh, so it's like one of these movies you you've seen it all before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know it it looks good, and I, I think uh, Frank Grillo, you know, he is a good actor and he is a good leading man. I think this is the first time he's uh, had a straight lead as opposed to a kind of a supporting uh, actor. Um, Bruce Willis, as I say, just pouts his way through the whole thing and. Uh, yeah, uh, halfway through I got very, very bored by it and uh, just waited for the end. And do you think Bruce Willis just turns up just to get the paycheck? And it it looks that way, yeah. 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 Um, he, ha- he hasn't made a good movie in quite some time, has he? Was the last but yeah, Death Death was last year. It was yeah. terrible. Yeah, and I remember, you, talk, I remember you, you weren't impressed with that at all. Yeah, and uh, he is going to make another Die Hard movie. I think it's called McLean. I think that's what they're going to call it. So he's got to do that again. So, uh, yeah, but if he's making stuff like this all the time, and as I say, you know, it's just Bruce just pouting and just, just spouting nonsense and just you know, not bothering, then, you know, if he's not going to bother, then why should we bother? Absolutely. Okay, so if you do want to sit through it, you can get it on DVD or stream it. It is called Reprisal, starring Bruce Willis. Mark that one out of ten? Yeah, four. Four out of ten. All right, listen, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat you again next uh, Friday. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Email in from Councillor uh, Paul Hayes in West Cork to say that locals are floating pardon the pun the idea of setting up a community sailing club in the village of Cork McSherry and with that in mind a public meeting has been called for tonight at 8.45 in the Cork McSherry Community Centre and they'll just tease out potential interest in the proposition so anybody in the Cork McSherry or that general area if you're interested in getting involved in a community 
Sailing Club. Can you go along to that meeting tonight, 8.45 in the Cork McSherry Community Centre. And Anne in Middleton was on today on Tuesday. She was coming down the bus to Middleton and there was a change of buses. I don't know if something happened with the bus and everyone, she said, made a dive to get onto the new bus. She noticed that there was a gentleman at the start of the queue and he had a white stick, obviously visually impaired, and he didn't quite understand what was going on. She said there was a group of young lads getting off the bus to get onto the, to the next bus and one of the young lads broke away from his pals, tipped the elderly man on the shoulder, explained to him what was going going on, gave his arm to the elderly man and walked him onto the new bus. The school boy then rejoined his friends. The school boy couldn't have been more than 12 or 13, uh, says uh, Anne. We all too often give out about young lads and young girls but uh, when they do something like that, it is good to acknowledge, acknowledge it. It is indeed. Well done. And, and how proud the parents of that young lad uh, can be, that's for sure. And Mary was on, I'll hold off on Mary's comment. Mary and Toker was on uh, to say when we were talking about the dog feeding bowl, bowl, she was in the city earlier this week and she remarked to her husband that it was still there. Uh, you know, and they were talking about it and lo and behold, then it gets stolen. She said her story from history was that Seamus Murphy, her history teacher, Seamus Murphy, it was his first piece of sculpture when he started. It was sculpture. It was made at the building. It was sculptured at a building for the cafe. And a lot of people used to go into the cafe with dogs and that's why they had the dog bowl. That's why it was commissioned. She reckons it's there longer than the 60s. It could even be in the 50s. And she said it's part of the deeds. So it is a protected structure. She hopes that it's found as well. OK, got to leave it there. Uh, thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Good luck to everybody at the Sports Awards. Talk to you Monday at 10. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.